the last of a bit of a flu. Um, I just really encourage you to, to keep that space. We are not good at being still. But keep that space. Keep that place of listening to God. And as we hear the message, be asking, Lord, what do you want to say? Relationship goes both ways. God wants to speak to you. He has a purpose for you. I know that's a cliche, but he does. He didn't call you to warm a seat on a Sunday. We are called to so much more. Well, if you're watching this video, it means I'm not there with you this morning and I just want to help keep you well. Um, the family and I have been quite sick through the week, had the, had the flu, and uh, it's not very pleasant, so I really didn't want to spread it with you guys this morning. So pray you're having a great time. We'll be joining with you online, as I'm sure lots of other people are right now. But great to be with you in the building, in Colac, in, at CFC, in Birigara as well, and at home, wherever you are watching as well. Whether you're watching it this Sunday morning or some other time in, during the week, it's so good to be able to be with you. You know, being healthy is winning. It's so good to be healthy. It's so good to be well. I uh, just really feel to pray right now for anyone who's sick. Uh, in particular, I want to pray for my dad too, who's in hospital right now. Um, as I speak, he's currently got some blood clots in his lungs. And I just really want to pray with him and for him this morning, Dad. I'm sure you're listening right now. And uh, let's just reach out to God right now for anyone that we know that who's unwell. Lord God, we just pray for your healing hand to touch people this morning. Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. God, we know that you are the healer. You are the one who created us, who knows us completely. And Lord, we just pray that by your Spirit, you would touch our bodies. I pray for my dad right now, for his lungs. Pray for our family and the sicknesses we have. Uh, God, for others who have the flu or COVID or any other thing, Lord, we just pray that you would move, that you would touch people's body, that you would do something miraculous, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you type it in the chat, amen, if you're watching at home. Uh, so good to hear you saying amen in the church. Come on, let's uh, respond like I'm in the room there with you. Yell amen when you're, when you're with me. Amen. Well, has anyone been watching the Commonwealth Games lately? Anyone been uh, having a look at uh, what's been happening there? I've had a bit of extra time at home with not a lot of energy, so I've been watching a bit of the Commonwealth Games. And this morning, I want to play a video that hopefully by the end of the service you'll understand why I wanted to play this. But before we play the video, I want to ask you this question. Um, what does winning look like for you? What does winning look like for you in your life as you go through life in, in, in this day of all days? What does winning look like for you? And with that thought in mind, I'm going to play a little video. Um, and I'll just say, look out for the guy towards the second half of the video with the white helmet on. Here we go. And he's at 10 to 1 at the moment. And the outmarker in this one is Malcolm Clayton from... Hamilton as they're underway in the fourth heat of the Austral wheel race. Yes, and uh, going off the mark here uh, hard is uh, Hamish Taylor. Bit of um, 
Uh, a pr problem at the back because they've lost one of their back markers and Andrew Simpson who was meant to come off 90 metres and from what I can see uh, Brett Curran number 47 uh, also out so it's left a big gap there and it's made it very very hard for the five at the back including uh, th these two fellows here in the uh, blue and in fact they're very very fragmented so this could be a front markers heat. Well it's very messy at the back at the moment Hamish Taylor is left on his own to do all the work he got no help whatsoever from Steele or Lunn as he's just trying to come up in the back of Sawyer at the moment and at the head of affairs at the minute it's, there's been a crash at the front of the race and that's caused a little bit of a change of pace but they're still managing to keep up their momentum at the front there and an interesting rider in this one who is currently in third wheel at the moment in the yellow and red colours is Brad Davies and Brad Davies won the Morrish medal playing for Eston in the under 19s way back in 1989 that's him wearing number 92 as at the moment is Adam Nicholson that leads them through to give Daisy Davies control of the front of the race. Matthew Taylor the Albury Wodonga rider uh, came down but he's quite okay and uh, you'll see him rolling around here as the field goes past again this time so uh, still the uh, rider there swinging away from the front of the field Brad Davies the uh, former footballer uh, taking over that there now Brad O'Neilly a Chukamoama rider uh, Sawyer trying desperately to get the uh, backman up as they come up this time with uh, two laps to go he's really trying to close down that gap and he may give the uh, three behind him some chance they've still got plenty of work to go with, with two laps to go as Sawyer tries to latch onto the back there and Hamish Taylor makes his move around the outside but at the front of the rest race they're starting to jostle for position as they come down this time to get the bell lap and uh, Brad O'Neill it is that uh, takes them through in the blue and gold with the uh, red helmet um, O'Neill heading towards the back right there behind him is Andrew Cox in the navy blue and then we've got uh, Malcolm Clayton one of the original outmarkers but look at the uh, riders trying to come from further back in the field uh, they can't do it the back markers and going away here for a uh, very very easy win as he goes across the line there for a uh, big one is Andrew Cox Andrew Cox our winner and Andrew Cox of course uh, rides for the Colac Club so another country boy coming through the country boys are dominating at the moment and he did that very convincingly he just rode away from them as they uh, got the bell and it'll be very tight to see who it is that picks up second and third as we look at the replay here and it looks like okay that's enough of that <laughs> okay that's um to be honest my moment of glory on national TV and uh, from that moment in 2003 I spent the next four years training 20 plus hours a week over a thousand hours a year uh, doing massive squats in the gym and plyometric springs and thousands of hours on the bike and guess what I never had another moment of TV glory ever again on my bike which is uh, just fantastic you know in a moment, we get so focused on performing, on winning. And this morning, as we continue our series looking at the book of Joshua, last week, Rach did a great job sharing with us about Rahab, who trusted God despite the dangers she faced in the, in the natural. She trusted God. And today, can I give away the ending now? Can I say what happens? Finally, the people get to enter the promised land that God has promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. After hundreds of years, they're able to cross the Jordan River and they enter the land that God has promised to them. 
finally they've won the victory. Finally they've won the battle. They'd been a people without a nation for so long. They'd been a nation without a land for so long. Uh, they'd gone into Egypt as a, a family of, of uh, Jacob, of Israel, come out of Egypt 400 years later, and finally they enter into the promised land. But can I give you another spoiler? The moment after they enter the promised land, after they cross the Jordan River, you know, there's another battle to face. And after that, there's another battle to face. And after that, there's another battle to face. You know, as people, we can get so absorbed in the, the battle that we are facing right now. For me as a cyclist, I thought that was the moment where I was going to start my career as a cyclist and I was going to become a famous bike rider. We get so absorbed by a moment. It's why Esau traded his birthright, his inheritance, for a bowl of stew in Genesis 25. It's why people make decisions that feel good in a moment but lead to years and years of pain and regret. Taking that drug being unfaithful for a moment of pleasure, years of pain and regret. Now it's a long intro, but I believe what God wants us to see this morning, what He wants to say to us this morning, is how we can win in everyday life. My title, if you want, this morning is Winning Every Day. We can have a win every day if we'll listen to what God's Word is saying to us today. Let's just pray together now before we open God's Word together. Lord God, we just thank you so much that we can come together online, in the room, that we can come around your Word. And Lord, we just thank you for your Word that, Lord, as we meditate on it, as we reflect on it, Lord, you change us, you, you teach us, you mould us and shape us for your glory, God. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us to see the things that you want to teach us, the, the ideas, the, the ways of thinking about life, that you would help us win in life every day. Not according to the world's ways, Lord, but according to your plan for us, that we would be winners every single day. In Jesus' name I pray. Speak to us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see your path forward in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open up to Joshua, and we're going to look at chapter 3, but first of all, we're going to look at uh, verse 23 of chapter 2. It says this in, uh, turn to it here, just sorry, just clicking my slides as well this morning so you can see where we're up to. Joshua chapter 2, verse 23 says this. So this is straight after the spies come back from seeing Rahab in, in Jericho. It says, Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Then it goes across to chapter 3. There we are. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove, not Acacia Court in Colac, Acacia Grove, and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since... You have never, never travelled this way before. They will guide you. Stay about half, a half a mile behind them, 
keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gigashites, the Amorites and the Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zeraneth. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry, and all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on the dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Thank you, Lord. There's five things I want to look at about this passage this morning. There's five things I want to reflect on about how God moves in this situation and how God is wanting to speak to us today. Number one is what's your Jordan River? What's the thing separating you from what God has promised to you? What's the thing that maybe God's asking you to step out? Maybe what's the, what's the thing that um, stands in the way even of you becoming what God has called you to become? Maybe you've never put your trust in Him. Maybe you've uh, never fully understood and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And today, the, your Jordan River is to say, yes, God, I want to follow you. Now, it's interesting as we think about this passage you know, the spies have already been across the river. They've been into the land. They've explored the, uh, Jericho and come back from seeing Rahab and crossed the Jordan again and spoken to Joshua. Tro crossing the Jordan River wasn't an impossible task. The spies, these two spies had already been across there and they'd been back again. And it just makes me wonder, when I, when I was preparing for this morning, I, I did some research and tried to find some really good photos of the Jordan River overflowing its banks, trying to find the most impressive, exciting pictures of the Jordan overflowing. 
And to be honest, I couldn't find any that were sort of like, wow, that looks like a, a raging river that would just be impossible to cross. And it just got me thinking, and just hear my thoughts here. You know, God parting the water, God stopping the water was a, an amazing, miraculous event that put fear into the hearts of the nations around them. But it just got me thinking, if the spires could cross over and come back again, it was possible to cross without the waters parting. And I was just thinking about it and thinking, well, maybe they could have got across in their own strength. Maybe they could have, I don't know, rowed a boat across. Maybe they could have, uh, maybe there was a, a rope bridge and they could have got across one by one. It might have taken 50 years for the whole nation to cross over. But maybe there, was, there were ways to get across that they, they could have done, but God had a different plan. And as we think about the fact of what's our Jordan River, I believe God wants us to, to hear this thought that God wants to lead you even in the little things and in the things that maybe you think you could do yourself anyway. God wants to enable you. God wants to work in whatever situation you're facing and help you do something in a way that you couldn't do in your own strength so that he'll be given the glory. God wants to help you cross the Jordan. Maybe it's um, you, feel, you felt God call you into business and you're doing things for God's glory and you're trying to cross over the Jordan into the land, but you just feel like you can't get there. You're filing, you're whatever. It's, it's just all so much to do. And God's saying, let me lead you across the Jordan. Maybe you think, I can do this, I can do this. But God's saying, actually, I've got a better way for you. Let me lead you in this. What's your Jordan River? How can you invite God to lead you across your river today? Point number two, follow the ark. And it was not Noah's ark. It was the Ark of the Covenant. It was the, the place where God's presence dwelt. The people were told, don't fall too far behind. Don't get too close. Follow the Ark. Stay with it. Keep following it. You don't know the way. Follow the Ark. God's presence is going to lead you. Now, praise be to God, we don't have to follow a, a golden box of God's presence now. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he ascended to the Father and said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. and He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to help you. And God has sent his Spirit to dwell in us, to live in us, that we might be able to live with him and follow him wherever we go. God's Spirit is our guide. God's Spirit is our guide. And God doesn't want us to run ahead. He doesn't want us to fall behind. He wants us to follow him in everyday life. We win day by day as we follow Him. Now we're called to be followers of Christ, not to imagine what He would do, but to follow Him. God's Spirit leads us, He guides us, He speaks to our heart, He whispers, His still small voice. So often when we're thinking about things, we're praying out things, it's, I find it's when I be still and just go for a bike ride and, and just get away from things and just let God speak to me, that that still small voice just settles into my heart and I go, yeah, this is what God's calling me to do. Follow the ark. God's Spirit is our ark. 
Let's follow him as he leads us. You know, we want to go now. We want to go right now. And other times we're thinking, I don't want to go right now. I want to go tomorrow. Tomorrow's a good day, God. Maybe not right now, God. This is... But let's listen to what his voice is saying. As we talked about two weeks ago, let's listen, let's believe, let's trust, and let's obey, and that's success. Point number three. Before they head off, Joseph says, uh, Joseph, Joshua says to the people, purify yourselves. Now, for them, that meant about abstaining from certain things and offering sacrifices was about purification and Praise God, we don't have to offer sacrifices anymore. It doesn't, it, purifying ourselves is not about abstaining and, and sacrificing and doing those kinds of things that they had to do in the Old Testament. We live in a new covenant era. And for us to purify ourselves is to come to the cross, to recognize that Jesus took the burden for our sin. He took the punishment for our sin so that we can be set free, that we can be made whole, we can be made clean and righteous. We are new creations in Christ. And as Joshua said to the people of Israel, to purify yourselves because God is about to do something wonderful. Church, let's be ready for God to move. Let's be ready for Him to do something great in us and through us day by day. Let's be ready. Let's be purified. Let's be submitted to Christ. Let's be following the Spirit of God. Let's be prepared and ready, not just sort of letting everything going on in our life and just doing whatever we feel like. Let's purify ourselves. Let's focus on what God is calling us to. Let's study His Word. Let's meditate on His Word so that we might be ready when He calls us to, to share the love of God with someone, that we won't feel too ashamed of what we've done, that we can't speak up. That Let's not be silenced by our, our missteps. Let's be ready. Let's be purified. Let's Ask God, let's surrender ourselves to God again, even this morning, that He might use us as we go forward. You know, God is working right now. And if we've come to God, if we've truly allowed ourselves to be purified day by day, we will see God at work and have the privilege of simply joining in. Let's purify ourselves. Number four, step into the water. You know, they could have gone down to the edge of the water with the ark. They could have gone up to the water and sort of said, well, I can't see anything changing here, Joshua. I don't know. Is there any point stepping in? This is a lot of water, man. How are we ever going to lead the people across? But if they never stepped into the water, they would never have seen the miracle happen. I want to ask you this morning, what's your water that you need to step into. Sometimes God's calling us to do things and God only leads us so far and then we have to take a step. I remember when I was uh, feeling called by God to go to Papua New Guinea in 2001. Um, God called me to go so I, I gave everything I had. I emptied my bank account to pay for my injections and my passport and everything I could pay for, I paid for. And the day came that I had to have the money for the flight and I just didn't have the money. But I'd, I'd stepped into the water. I'd done everything I possibly could and then God came through with the miracle. The day that the, the money had to come through for the flights was extended and uh, someone actually gave the money, the, the, the difference in the price that I needed. 
gave the money, just sort of saying, hey, I don't know if it's too late or whatever, but I just feel like God's saying to give this money. And uh, it was just the right amount to help me be able to go on that trip. And that trip has changed my life. And to those people who gave and, and helped me to get on that trip, I want to say thank you again. Uh, it's changed my life and changed many others, I believe. But what's the water that God's calling you to step into? What's the, the, the single step, the, 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 the little steps that you can take? Maybe there's someone in your family that you're praying for, and what's the little step you can take? Show forgiveness, show grace, show kindness. What's the little step God's calling you to take? There wasn't going to be a miracle until they obeyed in the calling God had for them. And they stepped into the water, and the moment their feet touched the water, the waters began to part. The fifth thing I want to point out this morning, before we look at that, I want us to have a look at uh, the first little part of Joshua chapter 4. And uh, we'll read that together. It says this in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each, tri- of all, each, of all, each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, twelve stones in all one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. And if you read on, it says how those, those stones stayed in place for generations to come, that people saw those stones and they said, what's that all about? And they told their, their, their children and their children's children, that they're there to remind us about how God led His people across the Jordan River and the waters parted and the people walked through on dry ground. And people gave thanks and praise to God because of those pile of stones. Point number five this morning Let's set up some memorials. Let up, let's set up some stone towers. Not literally, but figuratively. Let's set up some memorials. Let's set up some, some things in our life that will cause others to give God praise. You know, as we come together on Sunday mornings, we set up a memorial to say, hey, we're meeting together because we know Jesus is our Saviour. We're meeting together because we believe Jesus is the Son of God that came and gave His life for us. And we, as we come, create a memorial to the glory of God. As we come together, as, he, as the Bible says, not forsaking meeting together, but coming together gives glory to God as we gather in His name. You know, baptism is a memorial to the glory of God. It's, it's publicly declaring our faith is in Jesus Christ. We declare that our old life is dead. Our new life is, we, we've been raised with Christ. It's a memorial for the glory of God. You know, in our home, we have some memorials set up to the glory of God. And our kids are probably going, what? What are you talking about, Dad? We have some things around our house. We have a photo as you walk in the front door of our 
to, to give praise and glory to God for the amazing time we had as a family last year as we went around Australia and the photo of us at Uluru and we can give praise to God for the glorious creation He's created and we got to enjoy last year. We've got a photo on the wall of when Rochelle and I did a, a bike ride, a 220-kilometer bike ride, um, four months after I broke my back. It was three months later, God healed me. I had specialists uh, say I was all clear. So we said, hey, let's give this ride a crack. And we call it our miracle ride. And if you've been to our house and you've seen the, the photo of us on the wall, and there's a, a medal that we, we got as we crossed the finish line for, for doing the bike ride. And people hey, say, hey, what's this all about? And, and we get to tell the story of the miracle ride about how God healed my back and enabled us to do this bike ride. Let's set up some memorials in our life, church. Because God has done great things. God has done great things. God is doing great things and He's deserving of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. Let's look and see what God has done and not allow ourselves to forget what He has done. Let's open the Word of God day by day, week by week, to be reminded of what He's done so that we will not drift away from the truth of who He is. Communion is a memorial every single week that reminds us that it's by His death on the cross, it's by His shed blood for us that we have eternal life. I'm going to ask the band to come. I just want to read a couple of last scriptures out of... uh, I've written it down <laughs> from Hebrews uh, chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Just reading a few verses. It says, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. And Hebrews 3 verses 1 to 4. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully and was entrusted with God's entire household. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. And skipping down to verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7, it says, That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. They'd seen what God had done. So I was angry with them. And I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. That was the struggle for the people of Israel. That was their struggle. They, they 
didn't believe when they were in the wilderness. They'd seen the, the, the miraculous signs that God had done. God delivered them from Egypt. The, the plagues and all those things happened. And then they were delivered through the Red Sea and all of Israel's chariot, uh, all of Egypt's chariots were wiped out. God did these amazing things for them, but they didn't see what God was doing. Church, let's not be like that. Let's see what He has done and give Him the praise. Finally, verse chapter 4, verse 6 to 11. It says, So God's rest is there for, for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering His rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. And finally, sorry, verse 14 and 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus knows what it is to be human. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Church, let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Jesus died on the cross that we could have relationship with Him, that the Spirit of God would be our guide, that He would lead us not just across Jordan rivers, not just through Red Seas, but in everyday life. And if we want to be people who are, who are winning in everyday life, if we want to be people who, who live the life God has called us to live, and church, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to be people who meditate on the Word of God. We want to be people who follow after Him. Not just in the big things, but in the little things. The things we think we can do in our own strength, let's invite God into it and let Him lead us in the way He wants us to go. We have an awesome, powerful, gracious, amazing God who calls us to come to Him. God doesn't want us just to win some big race. That's not our defining moment. Our defining moment is how we obey Him every day of our lives. And let's let today be the beginning of a, a journey of following Him. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you this morning, even as the band begins to play, as we just reflect on what God's saying to us today. God, I just pray this morning for anyone here who has never confessed their sin to you, who has never acknowledged what you have done for them, Lord, I pray today that you would help them, Lord, to surrender their life to you. God hears your heart. He hears your prayer. You just say, God, forgive me for my sin. Help me, Jesus, to live for you. Maybe you don't understand everything he's done for you yet, but 
right now just invite Jesus to lead you and guide you. Maybe you know in this past week you've, you've done your own thing, you've done it in your own strength. Just right now say, God, I'm sorry. Lord, lead me on from today. Lead me today. Lord Jesus, we just surrender ourselves to you right now. We invite you to lead us. God, we ask you that you would lead us for your glory. That God, whether it's a, a Jordan River or a, a trickle of water that's in between us and the future you have for us, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be obedient to your call, to purify ourselves by coming to you in faith, to step out into the water, to trust you and God to give you the glory as you move in our lives and through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to hand over the team to lead us now in this song. Thanks, guys.